Hi, I'm Michael Stiddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. So the debates are all over. Canadians are about to sit around the table and eat turkey or tofu this weekend and talk politics, whether they like it or not. Nick, at this point, how many ridings are still too close to call? Well, you know, uh, we crunch the numbers every week. We have a big statistical model that does calculations and projections on 73,000 neighborhoods. Mm. We use this internally to figure out what's going on. We estimate that 37 out of the 338 ridings are a margin of less than 2%. And then another 54 are 2 to 7%. So there is a significant number of ridings that are fundamentally too close to call, ranging from a toss-up to a very tight race. So, Nick, where do we stand so far? Latest CTV Globe Nanos tracking has the Liberals at 35, Conservatives 33, NDP 15, Green Party 9, Block 5, People's Party, a lonely 1%. Have you ever seen anything like this where we're just locked in this tie for weeks? Well, we've seen, we've seen it close for certain periods of time, but not for a prolonged period like this. This is the longest period that I've seen in memory in a federal election where it's been a, a, a tie between the uh, between both the liberals and the conservatives. And when you look at it, it's kind of like a kind of like a caterpillar trend line. You know how caterpillars move? They go yep. up and down, up and down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think right now, I think we're I think Canadians are hoping that one of the caterpillars will get stepped on. Right. <laughs> just to kind of make some kind of just so that someone Someone wins. Maybe that's maybe we're gonna we're gonna you know hello little caterpillar, <laughs> and then it'll be like a crush. Maybe that'll happen this weekend for Thanksgiving, but I don't know. So at this point, I mean, we've been locked in this tie for most of the campaign. We've got all these too close to call ridings. What's what's causing this tie? Yeah, I'm calling it indecision 2019. <laughs> and we're we are we are all Canadians are sleepwalking to the ballot uh, to the ballot booth, right? And mm. uh, I don't know if it would be a rude awakening on the day after the election. But, you know, I think for a lot, in, in most in most elections, mm-hmm. here's what usually happens. People are unsure who they're going to vote for. And then it tilts one way in favor of one particular candidate where they think that uh, they are comparatively a better choice than their opponent. And if we can just use examples, uh, when Stephen Harper won elections, uh, he was seen as being less risky than Stefan Dion. Mm-hmm. He was seen as a better choice than Michael Ignatieff. So even for people that weren't enthusiastic about uh, about Stephen Harper, when he won, people go, well, you know what? Uh, in general, I think it's a better choice. Hmm. In this particular campaign so far, what's absolutely clear is that not only do we have two imperfect choices, people are exceptionally unenthusiastic uh, about both. And, you know, and for, you know, one, you know, they're unsure about Andrew Scheer. And then for Justin Trudeau, there are things that they've seen that they they don't like and there's disappointment. Mm-hmm. So uh, so no one's really been able to break that deadlock. And uh, so it's it's just been uh, it's been, you know, usually there is a period of time where the parties are tied and that's natural uh, for most elections. But this is uh, this is pretty prolonged. I wonder if we're headed towards a really low voter turnout because of this. Yeah, the first casualty of this election. There could actually there could be two casualties in this election. Voter turnout in our democracy. Voter turnout mm. because uh, you know what we've seen for example is some some groups like millennials have been very disappointed in what they've seen in the election. Um, and it's unsure whether they'll come out and vote in the same way that they did in 2015. Uh, the other thing is, is with this lack of enthusiasm for both the liberal leader and the conservative leader, that 
you know, for those voters, they could never bring themselves to vote for the other team, but they might just uh, stay home. But, you know, a bigger victim casualty in this federal election could be our democracy. We may come out of this, who knows, maybe one party will win the popular vote and mm -hmm. lose the election because the other party can form uh, more seats in the House of Commons. You know, we've got folks in the West, like, let's face it, if you're in Western Canada, you are fired up. You are angry. You don't think that the Federation works. And, you know, like if there's a, if there happens to be a, a liberal, uh, a liberal win, and that is a possibility just based on the distribution of support that they have, they're going to be folks in the West that are going to be right ripping angry because they cannot even conceive of how anyone would consider voting for the liberals. Uh, speaking of the West, uh, we finally had a lot of debate over pipelines last night at the French language leaders debate. Do you think any of the leaders sort of came out ahead on that to, to fight back a rising bloc Quebecois? No, I don't think uh, I don't think anyone's going to be able to kind of set back the bloc uh, because the 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 bloc fundamentally has a fairly easy job to do. They don't have like let's face it, you're a political party. You don't have to make any promises, and you don't have any platform, and you don't have to cost anything. That's all you're going to say is we're not those folks. A and B. The other thing that you're going to say is send us to Ottawa. We will squeeze whatever we can get out of the federal government fight for Quebec rights and make sure that the federal government doesn't interfere in the lives of Quebecers. Mm -hmm. So they've got a pretty, pretty easy lift. And uh, I'm not sure whether there's uh, any kind of policy issue that can kind of shake that loose because that will naturally appeal to, uh, to at least a significant portion of voters in the, in the province of Quebec. So we're recording this uh, very early Friday morning. I've had a lot of coffee and the conservatives <laughs> and the NDP are releasing their fully costed platforms later today. Uh, I'm curious if, if platforms can have a big impact on the rest of the campaign at this point. Well, the popular wisdom is we remain fixated and with bated breath for all of the party platforms to come out. Mm -hmm. And that we'd like to believe that we live in a world where everyone reads the party platforms from front to end and examines <laughs> the costing and stuff. Right. Not so much. <laughs> um, so... Uh, and you know, put this into context. Think of uh, think of Doug Ford uh, and how successful he was in the last provincial election, mm -hmm. leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, and and he didn't uh, he he didn't really focus on a on a platform. Um, and they won the election uh, basically on making a couple key promises and uh, not doing what traditionally is expected of a, of a major party by focusing on the platform. So I think uh, platforms are more like a pass-fail than a winner. Hmm. So you better make sure your numbers add up. Actually, if you're the conservatives, your numbers must add up mm -hmm. because part of the conservative brand is that, uh, is that they are more focused on the numbers, more focused on finances, um, more focused on the economy and things like that. And that there's probably a, there's a, there's a pretty good expectation that the, that the conservative platform should be rock solid. So, what the conservatives have to watch out for is to make sure that there is, and I hate to say this, make sure there's not an adding mistake, oh, or some yep. kind of fundamental assumption that's wrong. Yeah. Because if there if there is, it'll have a materially direct impact on people's perception as to whether they deserve to be government and whether they're ready to be the government. So I think for the conservatives, they just got to push it out the door 
and uh, and as long as their numbers are rock solid, I don't think there's anything that they have to worry about. And the same thing for the New Democrats. Mm. For the New Democrats, there's less scrutiny because people don't expect them to form a government. And uh, so they don't have to worry about it as much. But if you're either the liberals or the conservatives, if there's a, if there's a hole or something that doesn't, rec doesn't reconcile in your platform, it can be big trouble. If you're a fiscal conservative, it helps to be good at math. <laughs> Yeah, well, you don't want you don't want those memes, right? Like, I won't say a name, but this party leader can't add. That's not good. <laughs> so we're about to enter the final week. I can't believe it. Um, is there any way any of the front runners can break this tie? Yeah, but they, I don't think the front runners themselves can break the tie. But they, their opponents, hmm. and their opponents having a misstep, their opponents blowing up, their and uh, could have uh, could change the trend line. So right now. We're basically in the zone where any kind of major gaffe could be a killer for a particular campaign or federal party leader. But, uh, you know, right now, uh, no one really has the advantage. People will talk about this over the uh, over the weekend and we'll have an we'll have an idea probably Monday because we're polling through the weekend. Mm -hmm. We'll have an idea on Monday whether uh, anyone is starting to pick up an advantage. But, you know. Can it change? For sure. But it's more likely to change as a result of a controversy or a mistake in the campaign as opposed to somebody doing something right. And I should add, Nick, that we will be recording an episode on Thanksgiving Monday. So that's something to look forward to, along with your turkey dinner. Exactly. Hopefully everything will be fully digested, both politically and from a cul <laughs> culinary perspective. <laughs> so, so what's your big takeaway for this week? My big takeaway is that Indecision 2019 continues. No one has the advantage. Jagmeet Singh is still up in his personal brand, but he hasn't been able to convert that into support. And uh, let's look at the numbers over the weekend to see if Canadians can decide who they want to win the next federal election. Nick, thanks very much. And where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NIK Nick Nanos or on the web at www nanos.co and i'm on twitter at michael siddle and as always you can check out election.ctvnews.ca for the latest campaign news where you can also sign up for hilo's newsletter election dispatch this episode was produced by trevor coral jesse taharelli and phil hahn sound editing was done by jesse taharelli our executive producer is Liz Travers. And Trendline is hosted by Nick Nanos and myself, Michael Stittle. Thanks for listening. Yeah.